because if you can never trust your heart, um, then even when you're being led of the Spirit of God, even when you've got direct leading from Scripture, uh, and when you've got yeah, wise yeah. counsel, and when the, the when the peace of the Lord is settled on your heart and mind to give you understanding, uh, even in, in the midst of right. all that, there would be a voice coming in at the end, Jeremiah 17, 9. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I am Thomas here again with Daniel, my good friend. How are you this morning, Daniel? I'm doing well. Thank you. <laughs> I, I admit I didn't get as much sleep last night, but it's okay. It was for a good reason. Yeah, yeah. Likewise, I stayed up a little later than I should have probably <laughs> to watch the live coverage of the election results. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of a junkie that way. And, uh, and my son, he's really... He kind of gotten into, you know, kind of charting out those things, you know, and watching the, you know, uh, the Senate races and things yep. like that. So I'm glad he's uh, putting his analytical uh, yep. <laughs> analytical skills to work there a little bit. Yeah, mine too. They were disappointed when I told them they had to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at midnight. <laughs> no, no, not yes. that late. It was 11. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, but uh, I guess uh, I guess we don't know anything yet uh, at this point. Yeah, not uh, really. Still could really go either way, and uh, could be days or possibly even weeks before we really know um, who won this presidential election, right? Yeah, well, a good thing that that you don't actually have to turn over power until like January because yeah, <laughs> yeah, it may. Well, they should know by then. Well, there was a surprising amount of Trump support. Uh, I think a lot of people were surprised, including people on the right, just how much um, support he got. Uh, there are really? several states that he won that he was not projected to win uh, by the polling data. Uh, several, many of the polls, in fact, were off by quite a bit, uh, way yeah. more than margin of error. So uh, it, it, it certainly was interesting to see. Um, he won Florida pretty, pretty well right away. And, uh, and that's, of course, a, a big deal. Uh, he did mm. win Ohio, if I remember right. Um, and uh, I think I think he won Michigan also. And um, do, do you know about Iowa? Have you heard about Iowa? Um, I heard that uh, an Iowa senator, you know, a tight Iowa Senate race was won, which was mm -hmm. good. Um, I mean, on the Republican side, but I don't know about the state as a whole. I'm... Uh, yeah. Real quick, but uh, okay. Well, kind of the kind of kind of the the bigger problem was Arizona, from what I heard, uh, that that yeah. he needed yeah. Arizona to really kind of uh, solidify the win uh, more quickly, and he did not win Arizona. But there were some weird things going on that I didn't understand. Arizona was allegedly called prematurely, um, but then after a while, it did end up going to Biden anyway. Mm -hmm. And then also somehow in the middle of the night, <clears throat> um, Pennsylvania was another one that, that Trump needed to win. And it looked like he was projected to win it after the results started coming in. But then I think at like 4 a.m., they just decided to stop counting. Uh, and I guess their rules there are that they, they can continue counting votes uh, that have come in even later than Election Day, if I'm not mistaken. 
Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I mean, because you had so many uh, early ballots, and some states don't permit you to count, <clears throat> I don't think, until Election Day, and I don't know if Pennsylvania is one of them. So, I mean, you, in in practicality, I don't see how they could, how some states could call it on the day of if you're going to be receiving ballots or counting millions of ballots after yeah. <laughs> a starting on Election Day. I mean, you know, it takes manpower. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you got to count them. Yeah, and I'd by, heard some some rumors, too, that I've, I've not really uh, seen any substantiation for yet, that somehow in the middle of the night also a mysterious number of uh, additional ballots for Biden were just kind of, oops, here they are. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> so so Trump gave a statement in the middle of the night saying something about um, uh, we're going to investigate uh, that. And, uh, you know, as far as he's concerned, they won the election, but they're going to take it to court. So there's going to be some litigation about this. Sure. And, sure. Uh, and that kind of was known up front. <laughs> yeah. It was one of the suspected outcomes. On the map I'm looking at, I don't think they've called Michigan yet. No. They're Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, even maybe Nevada are still kind of out there. Yeah. But Now, Michigan's got a pretty significant margin for Trump Alaska. right now, doesn't it, if I remember right? I'm not looking at a map at the moment. Um, what I've got here with 90% in, they're only 0.3% separated. Okay, maybe it was a different state I was thinking of. So I thought the margin close, was but... bigger. <clears throat> you know, it was interesting, though, uh, a little bit off off topic, but in watching those results, the the site I was <clears throat> was watching was you know featuring different uh, guest different guests, and they were getting into conversations, and I didn't get to see all of it, but I was just challenged um, again as you know I guess as a believer that here's these guys sitting around, they're batting around these ideas, and probably a lot of us sitting there going, I don't understand entirely what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Because they're talking about the issues which, with such depth and speed, you know, and, and throwing yeah. out names and this and that, that it makes me say, um, kind of go back to that thought, I ought to be good at something. <laughs> you know, Meaning these guys have invested obviously time and hours in reading and studying and, and talking about these things. If I were in their position, if I was in that, in that group of men talking about religion and God and the Bible, I want to be ready yeah. to reason with them why, you know, why they ought to believe what I believe about the Bible mm -hmm. and about God. And you know what I mean? And sure. so it's just a challenge that way to say, boy, if they can be that studied and that intellectual, you don't want to you don't want to try to witness to an intellectual like that and have been lazy and not know what you're talking about, you know, and just basically know basic thoughts and well, I don't know how to say it to you, but sure. you know, I don't I don't know what to tell you, but I you just need to believe. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it seems like there's there's uh, you know, ways that you could uh, be persuasive. Sure. I understand it's the work of the Holy Spirit, but just saying it's a challenge yeah. to to sharpen ourselves, to be able to reason with people, not that you necessarily have to per verbally persuade people into faith, mm -hmm. but you need to be able to reason the faith, sure. I think. Sure. And Paul did that. That was his custom, you yeah. know, is to reason out of the Scriptures. There is a certain, certainly a place for persuasion, um, in mm -hmm. in in gospel evangelism, for sure, you know, we're we're not going to yeah. say that there is no place for that. Of course, the, the, I agree with you. The the work of the Holy Spirit is important, right? The Holy Spirit must draw someone, um, and convict them of sin and righteousness and judgment. Um, but I mean, Paul 
Paul was a master persuader. Uh, the word persuaded was even used. Um, uh, I, I always get these two guys confused, Felix and Festus. Uh, which one was it that was almost persuaded, he said? That was King Agrippa, actually, King Agri the next one. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm even yep. more off than I thought. I thought, well, that was close. Felix yeah. or Festus, one of the two, they, like well, you they say, were, introduced they were Agrippa in, uh, to Paul. Yeah, they were in close succession. He went from one to the next to the next, and uh, I can mm -hmm. never remember which. <laughs> which. Um, yeah. But yeah, the word persuaded was used. He said, I'm almost persuaded, or thou hast almost persuaded me. I can't remember how he said it, but the, the word persuaded was used. Um, so there is a place for that. Yeah, and, and my point is that is the on the Christian side of it, you know, is the reasoning aspect of the persuasion, is that laying out, you know, good reasons and a case. I, I used to think, um, wouldn't it be neat to have been with Jesus or with Paul, maybe it's more so Paul, when he witnessed to Jewish people? You know, mm -hmm. or, or like when you're with Jesus on the Emmaus Road and he expounded to them out of, you know, Moses and the prophets or, you know, all the scriptures concerning himself. Wow. You know, what did he say? How did he do that? Mm -hmm. You know, out of out of the different categories of scripture, um, he he recognized, you know, truths about the Christ and, and, and brought those out. Well, then, uh, and I'm curious your take on this, but then later as I was kind of reading, maybe studying through Hebrews, it kind of it kind of hit me. I think that's what Hebrews is. I think Hebrews is a layout of of evangelizing Jewish people. Sure. Now, honestly, I think that that Hebrews may be more so written to believers. But I mean, yeah. you see him like making a case, and here it said, and here it said, and the psalmist yeah. said, and here it said, yeah. and what he's doing, boom, boom, boom. He's laying, you know, he's he's kind of doing that reasoning. Um, sure. Well, to, there's quite to a faith. few things in which he argues Christ is better than Moses, he's better than the law, mm -hmm. he's better than angels, and all these other angels, things. Angels, yeah. So he goes on down the list. So yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So as we start off today, first I want to um, thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash reason together, and, um, and we're going to touch on feedback here in just a minute, somebody uh, writing in about how they appreciate the podcast, and that's really touching to me, and I, and I want to thank our patrons at all levels for your investment uh, monetarily, financially, into what we're doing here, that we really appreciate that and helping us to, uh, to uh, keep this thing going. Yeah, thank you, patrons. Appreciate it. Uh, did you want to read that listener feedback there, Daniel? I'm sure. over here realizing how tired I am this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so I better not talk in too long a bites, you know, it's sound bites snoring. because then they might start. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we had um, we have a um, a note here from uh, from a listener, Eli. He says, first of all, thank you for the podcast. Just recently, my brother suggested the podcast to me, and it has been a blessing to me. I work a full time job that is crazy and hectic, and in the evening, sometimes I get to work in my business after the family is asleep. Uh, hey, that's he's a hard working guy. That's good. Mm -hmm. I often listen to an episode or more while working, mechanical work. I started with recent episodes and decided to go back and start at the beginning, I find myself wanting to join the conversation. <laughs> I don't know that he's the first one that I've heard say no. that. You know, that's good. <laughs> you want to jump in there. That's good. He said, because I often hear topics I have been dealing with, discussing, or studying. That's fantastic. I just finished the episode on balance and find it yeah. similar to what I have been saying as it applies to politics right now. I just started listening to the next one and heard the question about having uh, a, seen a hedge of protection. I remember that one. Yeah. Uh, way back when he said, I find it ironic 
Uh, we use that term because as it applies to hedges around buildings, they actually contribute to crime and make us less safe because it provides protection to the criminals. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I understand hedges in olden days likely had a different use, non-decorative. Again, thank you for reasoning together and challenging all of us in a balanced way. And I and I I was I was thankful and I and I'm thank you so much, Eli, for uh, for sharing that with us yeah. and. Uh, I'm glad that it's a it's a current an encouragement and hopefully a sharpening yeah. tool for you. Yeah, we appreciate that, Eli. It's still kind of uh, I have this thought every once in a while. It's like why would why do people listen to us talk? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, we, we I guess we're kind of selfish in a way. We have these conversations because you know we're we've been good friends a long time. We've always enjoyed the discussion. So I mean, we're yes. gonna you know we keep doing this, but. Uh, you know why other people listen is, a, is still a, 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 an interesting thing to me, but uh, I'm certainly glad that you do, and I'm glad that it's a blessing and a help to you, and and that's uh, that's encouraging and humbling. So, yeah, yes, yes, and you know somebody said a long time ago, um, one of the greatest mistakes you'll make uh, in life is to think that everybody thinks like you think, but I think the uh, an extension of that or flip side of that for us is that what's what it kind of shows us is that there's people out there who think. Yes. <laughs> you know, and they, they they appreciate a conversation that's batting around ideas and reasoning together. Yeah. Um, not just telling them or, or just fluffy stuff or whatever. Sure. So Yeah, good. Yeah. Thank you, Eli, for that. Um <clears throat> and he touched on uh he, he, he referenced, you know, balance in reference to politics and mm. We talked about just before we started the the episode today is even just uh, ref talking about a a balanced or, or excuse me a proper Christian response to the election. Yeah, what say you? I, I've had a couple of uh, of scriptures kind of batting around my mind this week, looking looking at this election. And uh, I thought I would just share them here on the podcast. I'm not going to preach a message on them. I think they really kind of preach a good sermon in and of themselves. Because um, right now, as it stands, we don't know how this is going to go. And I know that some Christians are, are maybe worried about this. And uh, they're, they're afraid, you know, of the... And, and I think there's some legitimate concern that our way of life might change if, uh, if Joe Biden wins the presidency. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. but I was, I was thinking of Philippians three and verse 20 for our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are, we're kind of invested somewhere else as Christians. Mm -hmm. and, and, and as much as I love America, I love our ideals. I love our values. I love what we were founded on. I love our history. I love our freedoms. Um, all of those things can change here in, in, in the state of things. But we as Christians have a higher citizenship. Our conversation is in heaven. We're citizens there primarily. And that's what we have to look forward to ultimately. Doesn't mean it'll be enjoyable here if things go south for us. But uh, it, it does mean we have something higher to look forward to. And mm -hmm. the other passage of scripture that I was thinking about uh, for, for maybe those more uh, nail-biter type brothers and sisters out <laughs> there uh, was Psalm 43 and verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Um, good. Just a, a good verse of encouragement, kind of like a kind of 
a shot in the arm, as it were, a, a small dose of encouragement to hope in the Lord, and 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 uh, we're going to praise Him. And no matter what happens, we we have to choose now that we're going to praise the Lord, uh, we're going to hope in the Lord, because uh, ultimately all of our our um, um, what's the word I'm looking for. All of our plans are his anyway. <laughs> um, mm. You know, they're they're kind of entirely in his sovereign hand. So, well, thank you for that. Uh, the heart to want to encourage those, and I would, um, you know, I would kind of echo that, saying that you know, if things change, they shouldn't change who we are. Yes. Uh, they just simply change our surroundings and. Um, and, and the environment in which we're supposed to be Christians anyway. But regardless of what, you know, which way the race is called, we're still supposed to be full-time Christians. Yes. And, um, and, and, I, and I think that, you know, I wonder if how, how, how many people are maybe too comfortable anyway, uh, not, not saying, you know, I want, I want that comfort in essence, I want liberty, I want freedom, but I also want Christians to use their freedom, steward their freedom appropriately, um, and to be to re- be remembering, what am I, and why am I here, and what does God want me to be doing? Um, and when we live on you know this free, prosperous nation, and we ha- we can watch, you know, we can binge watch Netflix, and you know, not leave our doors, and sit in our lazy boys, and you know, and enjoy, <laughs> you know, all this stuff. We can be really comfortable, and um, and begin drawing back. Or, or continue drawing back from what we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless of what happens around us, it may seem unsettling, but it shouldn't really change who you are Yeah. and and what God, you know, wants you to be doing. Stay informed, stay respectful, but, yeah. uh, but you know, be seeking and, and, and doing God's sure. will. Sure, and, and I certainly don't want Joe Biden to win the presidency, but we have to admit that there is some sort of value that— the that Christians have had historically in uh, challenging political climates that that it, it has mm-hmm. a, a not only a cleansing effect but a motivating mm-hmm. effect um, whereas a, a society in which we have all of the political activism on our side as Christians it tends to create a complacency and a laziness Mm-hmm. Um, so, so no, I don't want Joe Biden to win, but you know, we maybe ought to look at the bright side that if he does win, I think Christians are going to be motivated a little bit more in some regard. And, uh, you know, whatever policies he puts into place may have a cleansing effect as it were, uh, on, on Christians in America. Um, so, and, you know, I have to say, and maybe this is a soapbox, but if he wins, you know, pastor, don't get up and make stupid jokes from the pulpit, you know, yeah. about about the president. De- deal with substantive issues. Yeah. You know, what are we supposed to be doing? How are we supposed to respond to government? Don't just stand up and make fun of yeah. them and, and, and sound like uh, an uninformed, <laughs> unintelligent yeah. doofus. Yeah. I'd be curious to see, you know, I mean, what implications would that have regarding the Johnson Amendment? You're familiar with the Johnson Amendment? I'm not. So uh, I saw that here and I thought, oh, wow, yeah. looking forward to learning what that is. Yeah, I, I'm not an expert on it, to be honest. <laughs> not a lot of things I'm an expert on. But uh, <laughs> um, the, the basic premise is that you can actually risk your tax-exempt status as a church if you either promote or disparage political candidates one way or the other 
from the pulpit mm-hmm. or, or in, in official church business, as it were. Um, though I'm not aware of any actual case where that was litigated and, and uh, where a church lost their tax-exempt status for it. I'm fairly certain that, that it's not something that's really been overly pushed. Um, mm-hmm. I know from what I've read that President Trump has actually made some significant uh, um, inroads in even making that less enforceable. Um, during his presidency. Hmm. <laughs> uh, um, but still, I think churches should be careful in what they say from the pulpit. Um, but speaking to the issues is is an actual thing you can do, and, and you can show oh, yeah. from the scriptures oh, yeah. that certain sure. political issues are moral issues, which makes them Bible issues. But, uh, yeah, the Johnson Amendment is, is certainly something to, to look into if you're considering saying things. Just, you know, like, like Daniel said, don't say stupid things. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, even from not a, a legal standpoint, but just a wisdom standpoint, what yeah. are you trying to communicate? What's the point of saying yeah. that? You know, what? <laughs> how yeah. does that help the, the discussion or the situation? Oh, OK. So my people now know how to laugh at a joke about the president. Right. But did it really help them to defend their position at all or inspire them to greater service? Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, you're, you're going to set a tone with your attitude. Um, how you respond mm-hmm. to the election, you know, people are going to be watching you to set the tone for how, what kind of attitude we should have as Christians. Uh, you know, and, and maybe this this kind of, you know, uh, <laughs> burns me a little bit that, and, and, and I don't, don't get me wrong, I, I enjoy a good political discussion. I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you and I, as friends, uh, as, as pastors, have been talking for a long time about spiritual issues, and we, we have a fair amount of zeal in the things we talk about and, and interest. We're both interested in spiritual subjects. But, you know, rarely do we find a, a lot of other people that really enjoy to sit down and have a, an engaging spiritual discussion. But then when politics enters into the conversation, people are all fired up and all zealous about it. And to me, that just <laughs> seems lopsided. And, yes. and I think pastors can also set the tone in that way in the church that, you know, as pastors, we ought to be talking about spiritual things with our people. Uh, we ought, Not just the pastors, but Christians. We should be sharpening each other with spiritual things. But yet too often times, you know, people, people love to talk about the politics at church. And I'm not saying you can't or, or that you shouldn't, but really, what are we most zealous about? Spiritual things or political things? Hmm, hmm. Yeah, good thought. Good thought. But isn't it awesome when somebody does sit down and have a, a frank, open discussion with you about about things? And you're talking about spirit, you know, finding a rare person who talks about spiritual things. And I'm not thinking of a specific conversation, but now and then I'll sit down with somebody and I just love it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. when you can have a transparent conversation about things yes. and, and spiritual things. It's just neat. Yep. All right. Um, hey, do you have one in particular that you want to? Well, I guess we have another listener question here. You want to? Yeah, we can hit that, that one? one real quick. That's from a patron. Okay. Uh, that is yep. from Nathan. And he says, I'd be interested to know your thoughts on children's Bibles, of which there are many. I'm thinking of cartoonish whole Bible adaptations or collections of Bible stories paraphrased for children. It's a two-part question. Should such things be used to give children an advantage to understand the Bible at an earlier age? And should it be called a Bible? 
Yeah, that's a neat question. Um, you have an answer you want to give before I jump in? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being overly simplistic about it, but um, part of me says, why not use that? Um, if, if it's accurate, <laughs> you know, obviously if it's accurate, mm -hmm. you, you, why not use that? Um, but uh, my, my, my first reaction to the idea of calling all of them a Bible, I, I don't think I would. Some, I think, you know, um, uh, what's the one I'm thinking of? I can't remember the one I'm thinking of. But, I mean, if it's got words, <laughs> right, and it's the Bible, right, Bible words, right, I, I have no problem calling that a Bible as long as it's the Bible. And, you know, if it have pictures or illustrations along with it, um, then I would call that an illustrated Bible, right? But once you start mm -hmm. changing the words around and, and, and you know, removing parts and, and basically uh, making up your own story, it's a Bible story is what it is. Yes. Right? Uh -huh. so, so I think the difference what we're talking about is illustrated Bibles versus Bible storybooks. Uh, yeah. And I and there might be a little variation there when he I've seen if you've ever seen those like it's like a full blown comic book. Uh, you know, it's not just like a Bible storybook. It's like, you know, like the old Marvel comic, you know what I'm saying? Like it's page after page of kind of the, the lines of pictures oh, of, of, you know, action, you know, of characters talking Bible stories. Yeah. Really, I've not um, seen that. Actually written yeah, as Bible stories in pictures, yeah. you know, um, in a comic style. And, and way I would put it is, um, is I would prefer to say these are Bible comics, mm -hmm. not that this is a comic Bible. Right. Um, you know what right. I mean? And I know that that's a subtle difference maybe, but it does put like your, yeah, the emphasis yeah. In, a, in a different place that once you, there is no such, you know, you think about secular literature and you've got, my kids had this, uh, I don't remember what they call the great, uh, the great illustrated classic series of books. And so they'd have Moby mm -hmm. Dick and, and all those the, those stories in an abridged sort of child's version right. that gave them the storyline, but obviously it wasn't you know this five hundred page, you know full on. But the question is, can you have an abridged Bible? If it's an abridged Bible, is it the Bible? Well, no, no, not really. You could say it's it's a John and Romans, or you could say it's a New Testament. But you don't say this is the Bible, but it's abridged. Yeah. Well, no, because then it's not the complete collection. And so when you, like you said a minute ago, when you change the words, yeah. in other words, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the story in my words. It's not the Bible. It's a paraphrase or it is a storybook or it is Bible comics, but it's right. not uh, a, a Bible. And yeah, so it's all about do I the think words. there's <laughs> It's all, all about the words. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it though? Really? Um and so I think there's certainly value to a Bible story book, absolutely. And I think the I I would throw in there that the value compounds when it's read to the child by the parents. Yes. Uh, they say on an educational level, you know, a parent reading to a child is so valuable. Um, so, you know, so yeah, do they have value now? The Bible comics. Um, you know, I'll let you look at that. I guess I've probably seen one or two or whatever. And of course, comics are very engaging, but the time that it might take to like peruse that and determine whether you feel like it's accurate. Anytime you get a storybook, it is going to have some level of interpretation sure, in it. Artistic license. You know, well, sure. And, 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 and to their credit uh, or in their defense, 
I would do the same thing. I mean, mm-hmm. as you're telling a Bible story, as I'm telling a Bible story in, in Sunday school or in a message, we paraphrase it, and sometimes we bring out a funny aspect yeah. of it. You know, and we, 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 we act like we're Jonah, and we're saying this. Well, of course, that's going to have interpretive license in it. Um, so any storybook is going to have that, and you do need to watch out for that, um, you know, whether it matches what you feel like is accurate to the, to the details of the, like you say, the actual words. But can, is there value there? Sure, yeah. there's value. I wouldn't call it a Bible. Right, yeah, I would not either. Yeah. Good. That's, uh, see, it, it, that, that seemed too simple. Are we missing something? <laughs> Probably. So if you if you have a, a comment, then uh, it's reason together podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. You're like, you guys totally missed it. Well, that's not even what I was asking. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> I think we're I'm running on like four hours sleep. <laughs> so, like, that felt too easy. It's like, what? I, I must be missing hey, wait, something. Wait, wait. I asked a question about a book and they got onto tuna salad sandwiches. How is that? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Whoa. Wait, where were we? Uh, oh, my. <laughs> All right. What else do we okay. have here? Uh, um, here is a subject uh, about that, that I brought up to my Sunday school class here a couple weeks back. Uh, but talking about the heart, um, and and I and I and I bring this up in part because of the way that sometimes we misuse. I think personally, we misuse verses, um, and one of those verses is uh, Jeremiah seventeen nine. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, um, I'm not arguing that the heart is not inherently wicked or that there is no such thing as a sin nature or that men aren't bent on doing their own way. I'm not arguing that. What I'm arguing is how we might indiscriminately use it or, or, or use it and not understand the implications of what we're saying when we say to Christians, you know, um, you know, we, we, we reference their heart, and then and if, it, if it fits what we're trying to teach or preach at the time, we might say, you know, your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, so you can't, can't trust the heart. But then I go, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, you know, if you look into Proverbs, he says, my son, give me thine heart. Let thine heart retain my words. You know, um, it says, guide thine heart in the way. So obviously, to me, there, at some point, the heart is a valuable mechanism, and it can be trained the right way. In fact, if you look in the New Testament, he says, um, for a good man out of the, uh, how does he say, for a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. Um, so... You know, saying, well, wait, wait, out of the heart came good things? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringing forth evil things. Um, yeah. uh, for out of the abundance of the heart, okay, the mouth speaketh. Well, so apparently there can be an abundance of good things. You know, you see what I'm saying is that yeah. is that the heart, we don't say, well, you know, you never can trust the heart ever, and the heart is pretty much worthless, and it's deceitful. And, and, and by the way, you need to serve God with all your heart, you know, or something like that, or, or, you, or you need to be wise. Well, how do you be wise? Yeah. You know, what does that mean? Well, it entails your heart. Well, yeah, but your heart is deceitful. You know what I'm saying? We, without balancing the statement, okay, well, what, wait a minute. You know, that was said, number one, in a context that might have been somewhat of a summary of the situation that they were in. But two, there is post-salvation, there is a balance to that. In, in, innately, the heart is wicked. Sure. 
but the heart can be trained and can receive knowledge. And it, what, what does he say? I mean, this one is so important. Is it 23.7 or 4.26 or 4.23? Where he says, um, um, he says, keep thy heart. In other words, protect thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Basically, you have to guard your heart because from your heart is what emanates the borders that you set in life. And so if it if I'm something I'm supposed to guard and it's that important and I'm supposed to, but then we turn around, but it's deceitful yeah. above all things. You know what I I'm do, saying? I do, but I mean, the thing is, if there wasn't, if there wasn't <clears throat> an inherent distrust we should have for our heart, we wouldn't need for it to keep the Lord's words. We wouldn't need, as he says, give me thy heart. We wouldn't need to do that. Um, you know, we wouldn't need to, to, to keep our heart or, or guard. Good point. If there Good wasn't point. some inherent distrust we should have for our own heart. Um, I, I think, I think really, you know, can the heart be trained? Yes, I agree with you. We, we can train the heart. We can mature the heart. Um, we can, we can grow someone up into the 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 knowledge uh, of Christ more unto unto a perfect man as Paul said unto the measure of the mm-hmm. stature of the fullness of Christ you can grow someone in that direction, um, <clears throat> but since sinless perfection in this life is not a legitimate thing, then there can't ever be a full trust of one's heart. It seems because there's always the possibility that you'll inject your flesh back into your decision making. Yeah, and that you could be you could be being self deceived. So it's a constant appeal to wisdom and to scripture and yes. to the Lord. But but I do feel like there is a place where, um, in some sense, you can trust your heart because if you've educated, I mean, it's ultimately trusting the yeah. word. But you know, when he says, um, "Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart." Well, either way that you take that, whether that's saying that God will give you the desires. You know, God will God will fulfill the desires that are already in your heart, or God will literally place His desires in your heart. To me, it's it's six and one half yeah, dozen of the other because if you're if you're delighting in the Lord, same thing. But the point is, is that there's desires in the heart that God would like to fulfill. So it's not desperately wicked in the sense that nothing good ever resides in my heart, and that I can't. I can't say, you know, what what do I enjoy doing, or what I desire this, and I'm going to pray that the Lord fulfills it. Right. You know, um, so yes, I mean, as a backdrop, what you're saying is, and I appreciate that, that's a neat thought, is that if you didn't have that inherent distrust, then you wouldn't have to say all these other things. Yeah. But my point is that we can't just keep throwing that statement at it whenever we just don't want people to trust their hearts. It, because what are we doing if we're undermining the foundation of saying, uh, undermining the understanding of other scriptures that say, no, you actually, if I can put it this way, you can have a good heart. Mm-hmm. You can have a wise yeah. heart. Yeah, so you're saying, if I'm understanding you right, there's almost a way that we can use Jeremiah 17.9 too far to where it essentially would make yes. someone <laughs> manic. <laughs> you know, that would almost drive you crazy. Because then... <laughs> manic, I mean, d- define... I mean, A little a little neurotic, a little nutty, uh, a little, little crazy. Okay. <laughs> um, because if you can never trust your heart... Um, then even when you're being led of the Spirit of God, even when you've got direct leading from Scripture, uh, and when you've got yeah, wise yeah. counsel, and when the, the when the peace of the Lord has settled on your heart and mind to give you understanding, uh, even in, in the midst of right. all that, there would be a voice coming in at the end 
Jeremiah 17, 9. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, you're getting and it's it. It's like someone right. would be, I mean, be say locked that... in this eternal loop of indecision. I don't know because maybe maybe it's that maybe that's what my heart wants to do and my heart is right. wicked. Maybe maybe I can't trust myself. Maybe I'm not making the right you yeah. know. And so I think it can be, yeah be used in balance or in a way that we just sort of yeah, yeah there is a place for it but if we just sort of use it indiscriminately and don't think about the implications of it and how it affects other teachings of scripture, yeah. it's sort of ill used. Yeah, and and there comes a point where someone has to say no, I don't trust my heart, but you know I mean. The principles of Scripture seem to be on on my side in this decision. I've sought wise counselors. I've been praying about this diligently. Uh, I'm not in violation of any scriptural precept or principle. Um, you know, no, I don't trust my heart. But you know, all of these things are in order. I'm going to go ahead and decide. Um, yeah, and I and I would say, yeah, I don't trust the innate the innate desires of my heart, but I wouldn't say necessarily I don't trust my heart. But anyway, that's just a, sort of a small detail. But yeah, what you what you listed there was great, a great list, you know, to say, okay, things aren't out of order, the scriptural principle, blah, blah, blah. That's mm. good. Yeah. But, are the, but those are processed in some way by the heart, if we would yeah. the mind. Yeah. So. Hmm. All right. Um... All right, one more. I've got this one. This one, I don't know. We might have to do this one in the after show because we are coming real okay. close to the end of time here on this episode. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want to go over today. Um, okay. Is there one that you would want here that is quicker? <laughs> Um, yeah, I suppose so. This one here, it, just a thought. And maybe, you know, as as the listeners hear it, they go, well, yeah, duh. You know, you know I don't. But, but. It struck me um, the difference between individualism and isolationism. Um, you know, and, and I probably when I was looking back at sort of uh, political, economical, economical, economic, economic, <laughs> uh, <laughs> slightly different um, issues, you know, or, or political issues, uh, thinking about individualism versus like, um, communism or socialism yeah. where we're all working for the collective good versus where you know you have you have personal yeah. freedom however what even though we believe in individualism that i'm allowed to make my own decisions and you know and and bear the fruit of those decisions yet yes the 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 christian has to be careful of isolationism because while he is a believer who is responsible for his individual decisions and should have that liberty, at the same time, he has a social responsibility in the home, you know, to his children, to his wife, to his neighbor, among the church, in society generally, um, so that he does have a social um, responsibility, but that's not to be confused with collectivism. Yeah. There are personal responsibilities. He's still individual, but he's not isolated. He still has a social responsibility. But when people say, well, you have a responsibility to society. Indeed you do, but that is not the same thing as collectivism yeah. or socialism. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. And, and perhaps these are words maybe that, that some of our listeners don't know. Um, you know, we talk about Marxism and communism and socialism and uh, all of mm-hmm. that. Um, really, there's kind of a, a deeper f- philosophical issue below 
all of those things, and that is individualism versus collectivism. Um, you know, collective is kind of, you know, the mantra of Marxism and communism, you know, from each according to his ability mm -hmm. to each according to his need. Basically distribute everything so that everyone is starting on equal footing and all of that, um, you know, for the benefit of all in society. That's collectivism, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And we, of course, repudiate that. We reject that because in order for that to work, you've got to legitimately steal from those who are more prosperous, um, there's going to be some who it's, it's not in their will to give up what they've worked hard for, uh, and give it to someone they don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's theft. So we're, we're of course against yeah. that. Um, you know, not against the betterment of society, yeah. but against the, the governmental regulation of yeah, the, the legalized theft as it were. Um, <laughs> individualism is the idea, not that you become an island unto yourself, um, morally mm. or, or socially, but Good. that, that you're mm -hmm. an island unto yourself for the responsibility of your actions and your decisions. If you make good, good decisions, mm -hmm. you benefit from that, not somebody else. If you make bad decisions, you suffer the consequences for that, not somebody else. That's individualism. Mm. Um, so mm -hmm. honestly, the idea of, of someone thinking isolationism can come from individualism seems foreign to me. Um, you know, someone who's individualistic is industrious. They're moving through society to, to use things yeah. to their advantage, uh, to be wise and industrious and diligent with their things and with their time and with their hands. Um, so I can't see isolationism coming from a, a proper understanding of individualism. Okay. But there might be some out there, you know, who aren't <clears throat> as aggressive and they just say, leave me alone. Mm -hmm. You know, let me make my own decisions. But in the process, they just want to be left alone. They don't want to. Um, yeah, they they, st they may go too far and deny their social responsibility altogether um, to say, no, I have a Christian responsibility to influence society and to interact with people. I see. But maybe that's kind of taking it on two different. Yeah, plans. I think maybe there's um, two different discussions to be had there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, for talking about that one, and I think we're pretty much at uh, at uh, the limit yeah. of our time uh, today. So we've got to got to let you go. We kind of gave you a smattering this morning, and I hope it gave you a lot to think about it. <clears throat> think about, and if you have responses, questions, disagreements, whatever it is, feel free to uh, to contact us at Reason Together Podcast at gmail dot com. That's Reason Together Podcast at gmail dot com. Yeah, we do. Uh, we we do encourage you to uh, go over to Patreon.com/slash/ReasonTogether also and sign up to become a supporter of this podcast. That's p a t r e o n dot com slash ReasonTogether, and uh, go ahead and pick one of the tier levels over there and uh, become a supporter, and we would be grateful. There's some perks in that as well uh, for you if you'd like to do that. Anyway, we uh, do appreciate you being here. Please be sure to join us on the next episode. We are encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together.